Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. For today's episode, we're going to be trying something new. Instead of deep diving into an industry trend or major development, we're going to discuss a few recent newsworthy items we think healthcare leaders should be considering. I'm here with Dynamics' Mindy McGrath and Ryan Hummel to talk about what's trending now. First things first, let's talk about the new Biden administration. Yeah, they really started off quickly, right? I mean, this is a massive undertaking, which we all know um, needs to be done. And I think what we have seen just in the last week is really a huge assertion, right, of federal resources to try to guide a more probably coordinated approach is the right way to say it. So, you know, I think the goal that the Biden administration set of 100 million doses in the first 100 days seems very ambitious given the rocky start. And, you know, some of the things that stood out to me or stand out to me is that in in a very short period of time, we're seeing many executive orders and directives, which kind of give you an idea of of how the administration will use those tools to try to get a jump start on on the pandemic response. But I think some of the things that that definitely stood out were around the um, fact that he invoked the Defense Production Act to increase vaccination and testing material supplies. So when we talk about this this pandemic response, like there really is almost like a three-legged stool. We're talking about the supply of the vaccine. And that doesn't mean just the product itself. It means the syringes, right? The pumps, everything that needs to help get that vaccine out to the marketplace. We're also talking about workforce supply. I mean, the healthcare system over the course of the last couple of months has really expressed concern that there simply isn't adequate human resources to administer the vaccine. Um, and so the Biden administration is focusing on that as well. And then there's the willingness of the people. And I think I call it the last mile, right? Getting that vaccine into the arms of individuals is going to really require going out to the community. And as a result, we are seeing that a directive was um, given to FEMA to set up over 100 community vaccination sites um, to try to go where the people are rather than expecting everybody to come to you know, health systems or, or offices for their vaccines. So those are the things that, that have really stood out to me. I think that the vaccine commissioner, Bashara Shuker, I love his, his name actually, um, he was the former Chicago health commissioner and then also held some pretty senior positions at um, Kaiser. So I think he has a little bit of understanding on both sides of it, from a public health perspective, and then from a you know provider and, and how you run a large organization to make things happen. Um, but there's no doubt that this response is, is picking up steam quickly uh, to try to clear through the confusion that currently exists. And I think that Biden's healthcare team um, really now is in charge of addressing this pandemic and being responsible for what comes over the next couple of months and or, you know, the rest of the year. Mindy, yeah, you know, you mentioned the goal of 100 million doses in the first 100 days. And, you know, I think at first glance, that may be ambitious. That goal really only grows the vaccination rates by like 11% from what they're achieving on a daily basis today. So although it might seem like audacious and ambitious, you know, a lot of public health officials just don't think it's enough and fast enough. So I think we'll see movement on that. 
but you know, you need to put some efforts behind doing that. And you mentioned, you know, the healthcare industry being um, at, at best tired and at worst, you know, exhausted. And one of the things that we're seeing is a lot of state uh, leaders and governors putting orders in for maybe potentially other healthcare providers that can provide the vaccination, podiatrists, optometrists, chiropractors, really interesting creative ways to try to get this vaccine in the hands of folks to get that last mile achieved. So, you know, I think the next 100 days we'll be staying very close to all of these new um, and innovative ways to get the vaccine into people's arms. And, you know, one thing I'd add is the, the kind of combined for, or kind of the conflicting forces. We're still seeing all these doses for vaccine, but there's still people that need to get tested every single, every single day. So there's a lot going on um, in the pandemic response. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's interesting is the way that the Biden administration has also actively decided to set up what they are calling their COVID response task force. So, you know, not only does he have all of these healthcare hires that will assume really critical positions as secretaries or directors or commissioners of key agencies that are going to help support and execute on this response, but he also has a task force that is being led by Jeff Zients, um, who is the coordinator of the COVID response. And you know, if you recall, he was really the guy that was responsible for helping rescue the marketplace when it initially started being created out of the passage of the Affordable Care Act. So he knows a thing or two about taking something that's rocky and trying to smooth it out to make it a usable and you know, easier way to do things. So Zients is going to really re rely on the healthcare hires that Biden has tapped to either be secretaries or coordinators and or directors or commissioners of key agencies within his administration. And some of the notable names that stand out to me is always our, our fan favorite, Dr. Fauci, right, who has been elevated in this administration to really serve as an advise, a chief medical advisor for um, President Biden. I look at somebody like Dr. Vivek Murthy, who is coming back to reprise his role as the Surgeon General. Um, we are familiar with his, his time in the Obama administration in that same role. Um, an interesting one to me is Xavier Becerra, who has been tapped to be the sec or nominated to be the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Um, many people might know him as the gentleman that has been leading the charge to protect the Affordable Care Act in the most recent lawsuit that was presented in front of the Supreme Court. What many people may not realize is that he actually has spent 25 years in the House of Representatives. So while he doesn't come to the table with a public health background per se, he does come to the table with a very strong policy and regulatory background, which I think the, the administration right, um, seems to be leaning that way right now in terms of using um, not only executive orders, but also directives and regulatory levers to try to get some momentum around how they're going to respond to the vaccine. You know, I think my key takeaway on, on the hire so far is that Biden is going to use, you know, fighting the COVID vaccine to also expand the ACA's provisions around things around like affordable coverage. Um, I think that the hires that he um, has tapped so far will really have a focus on prevention 
right? They'll have a focus on expanding the emphasis on population health, specifically with populations where social determinants of health um, and disenfranchised populations may be of concern to making sure that those folks are adequately vaccinated and have access to the care that they need as well. Talking about Dr. Vivek Murthy and as a Surgeon General and becoming America's top doctor once again, um, he was an Obama appointee, as you mentioned. You know, I think one of the passions he has also is this idea around fighting um, opioid addiction as well. So he'll be having two fronts to fight on. And I think that'll be an interesting uh, reappointment of Dr. Vivek Murthy. Um, the, other, the other gentleman you mentioned, Xavier Becerra, he, you know, he's served as a ta- California's attorney general. This, this great pedigree, highly educated, knows the ACA back and forth. and just has a great story as well. I think he was born to Mexican parents grew up in a one-room apartment in Sacramento and just worked his way through Stanford Law School. Just really impressive folks that, that Biden is appointing. And uh, we can't forget Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who is going to be up for director of Centers for Disease Control. Another just incredible uh, physician background. I think she's an internal medicine doctor from Johns Hopkins, also served uh, as faculty for the Harvard Medical School for the last you know, nearly. You know, she's been very open about the supply of, of COVID vaccine being very opaque to her um, and the federal government as the transition happens. So she's gonna have her hands full, especially with this new variant, uh, which may be even more deadlier. Yeah, and I think the first step for all of them right now is just trying to get their hands around the state as is, right? I mean, we even heard today, right, that CDC has no idea what the exact number of um, units actually are that are available. And so to some extent, Degree. It's almost like taking a step back to take a step forward uh, because they have to have some foundation of which to work from in order to come up with a plan uh, that will be coordinated and maybe more seamless than what we had seen prior. The other person I think that we would be neglect to talk about is Janet Woodcock, who is the acting FDA commissioner. You think about the number of vaccines that are going to be um, likely applying for emergency youth use authorization over the next couple of weeks and months. And so her role becomes of critical importance if we we think about expanding capacity to ensure that there is more supply available um, in in the marketplace so that we can increase that 100 million uh, doses in 100 days to something that's going to be much more realistic and, and required in order for us to really get our hands around um, the exacerbation of COVID-19. Yeah, I think there's so much going on from the political perspective around pandemic response and this vaccine rollout that we're seeing the Biden team really start to jump in and handle a bit more. But there's been a lot of movement, I think, in the recent days as well in terms of other vaccine news. Yeah, Jen, you're absolutely right. I think that when we take a look outside of the political landscape and look at you know what, what do Americans think about this vaccine, the, the favorability or the, or the sentiment around the vaccine has gone up. I think a Harris poll has us up seven, to 10, seven out of 10 people favor the vaccine versus uh, 58% in October. And you know that's a good number because we're gonna need more than 75% of the population to be vaccinated to kind of start to begin to see herd immunity. We've also seen uh, the administration, the new administration pledging a kind of locally focused public education campaign I believe they're going to be using some trusted voices in the community to encourage and intake uh, an uptake in vaccines. You know, the, the one thing I want to mention about that favorability is 
you know, there, there is a racial divide in this country. And while 72 to 75 percent of uh, white folks say they are likely to get a vaccine, only 58 percent of, of black folks agree. And, you know, there's a Kaiser Health News analysis that showed that black Americans are getting vaccinated against COVID-19 at lower rates. And, and the sad thing is, you know, uh, minorities in America have been disproportionately affected by this virus, and yet they represent a, a larger share of the healthcare workers that should be getting vaccinated. So, you know, I think we're hopeful that this administration sees some of these studies around the vaccine and, and, and acts on them quickly. You know, I think that's part of why these education efforts that you spoke about, Ryan, are so critical because there really is going to need to be some tailored messaging, both by age and demographics, in order to not only engender trust, but I think activate those individuals that might be really hesitant about being vaccinated. So, you know, I think this administration really understands that, and that's why we're starting to see uh, more collaboration with local community partnerships and even large companies that are stepping in to try to advance not only awareness, but also education about the vaccine so that you know, people feel more comfortable with, um, with what the vaccine is intended to do and the safety aspects of it and some of those trust issues that have been existent. Um, you know, and there's a lot of other vaccines that are showing promise, right? Over and above the Moderna vaccine that we know has been approved, along with the Pfizer vaccine. There's interim, interim results around the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which we believe is going to be a single dose vaccine that showed something like 90% efficacy. Um, and that's, that's really exciting to see. Uh, I think we're not going to see any upcoming Johnson & Johnson vaccine until later this spring, um, but we should see some improvement there. And there's even more um, you know, news around booster shots being addressed by Moderna uh, to attack this new variant. And you know, there's uh, Oxford's kicking off a, a vaccine for younger folks, 12 to 18 year olds next month. Yeah, right. I think there's been so much positive news recently in terms of the vaccines, um, you know, really starting to shift into high gear when it comes to getting more vaccines on the market and expanding the different populations um, that have access both from a, a physical perspective, but also just from a scientific and approval perspective. I think, you know, the one gray cloud that we've seen recently on the horizon was uh, Merck's decision to pool both of their COVID-19 vaccine candidates based on the early phase one data. Um, so they won't be moving forward with their replicating vaccine candidates um, and choosing instead to focus on a couple of the candidates they have in the pipeline for COVID-19 treatment. Uh, I think we've probably let the pandemic response, vaccines, et cetera, kind of dominate our conversation, but I don't want to lose track of, you know, some other news that might be flying under the radar um, that's important for healthcare leaders to know about. And I think that's the regulatory freeze memo that went out on Trump's midnight health regulations, you know, shortly after Biden took office. Um, and while that might not seem like a big deal, there were quite a few things that came in, you know, right under the buzzer before Trump left office that can be pretty impactful, including a December rule that would allow states to stop using healthcare.gov, 
um, some changes to the FDA's authority over medical devices, some changes to HIPAA privacy rules, and some tweaks to certain Medicare drug coverage. So this freeze memo will essentially prevent those items from going into effect until they can be reviewed more thoroughly um, by the Biden administration and his new regulatory and agency appointees. And I would just say, Jen, that I think what the Biden administration is signaling is that they will have a bold and aggressive regulatory agenda uh, and that many of, of those regulations that were either proposed and or hadn't hit the federal re uh, registry yet had a deregulatory aspect around them. So it's just a contrasting, you know, it's a contrasting view on how to use and um, free up regulatory elements within healthcare. I think the administration wants some time to just take a look at what is actually in these rules and whether they continue to move them forward and or change them or just cancel them out altogether. Yeah, one in particular that I thought was interesting the, that the freeze affected was the maximum of 72 hours for payers to issue decisions uh, based on requests. And what, I'm, what that means is or what the intent of that initial move was, was to lead to fewer prior authorization denials and appeals. So that would increase communication between the patients, health systems, and the health plans themselves. So, you know, a freeze, I think, just means that the Biden administration is going to take a deeper dive into these to make sure that they're effective. But that was one that just kind of, you know, popped into my head, as I recalled, that one being a really um, somewhat progressive approach to get rid of this uh, prior authorization a headache that we've seen in, in the U.S. healthcare system. Well, thanks, Mindy and Ryan. I think we've definitely covered off on a lot of news that's been happening recently, and I look forward to our next discussion of what's trending in healthcare. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.